is Steve Stevens, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando on iHeartRadio. This is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 142. It is Brando. Thanks for hanging out. And just another guest momentarily coming on that I am just floored and honored to agree to come on the podcast. Mr. Steve Stevens, of course, most notably uh, from his work with Billy Idol. But he's worked with Michael Jackson, uh, that great tune, Dirty Diana. He won a Grammy for the Top Gun theme. He, well, I guess because he's on this podcast, we're going to finally get to the bottom of, is he really an original member of the Neurotic Outsiders? With Duff McKagan, Matt Sorum, uh, he wasn't on the recording because he was replaced by Steve Jones, or we think he was replaced by Steve Jones, the Sex Pistols. Also, John Taylor from Duran Duran was on it. So were Billy Idol and Steve Stevens original Neurotic Outsider members? We're going to get to uh, the truth of the matter there. Uh, So Steve Stevens is going to come on in just a second. But before we do, I want to let you know after the interview, we're going to do some shotgun news. We're going to talk about the new GNR leak. Yes, Hard School a song that supposedly was recorded in 2000 or around that time. So I hope uh, you've got to, to hear it. We're going to discuss it regardless. All right, so stay tuned. But first, I see the phone lighting up. Steve, is that you? Yeah, hi, it's Steve Stevens. Hi, Steve. It's, uh, it's Brandon. How are you? Good, Brandon. What's happening? So uh, Steve Stevens, you know, in, in addition to just growing up on... Your music, not just with Billy Idol, just with the mass amount of artists you, you've worked with and just classic songs. You've always been an inspiration for me because you're – I'm also a Brooklyn boy. So I want uh, – so where did you grow up? Because I'm, I'm just curious where uh, in Brooklyn you, you well, grew up. Well, I was, I, was, um, I was born in Brooklyn, but I grew up in Far Rockaway. Okay. Um, yeah, but my mom, uh, my mom and dad lived in Bensonhurst. Oh, okay. So my, my dad was in that area also, East Flatbush, so – and I'm, and I also, I, I like to call myself a uh, a Brooklyn Jew more so than a Long Island Jew, even though I, I moved when I was one and a half. I just feel like it has more street cred. But I'm just curious because you've accomplished so much, much, and you're you're local. Um, yeah. <laughs> so with everything that you've you've done, and you're still obviously uh, touring in uh, with Billy Idol, what motivates you not just to play, but to have a new project, uh, specifically Deadla- uh, Deadland Ritual. What motivates you to create something new and keep going? Um, well, fortunately for me, I, I mean, I still—it's basically the love of the of the instrument. I still, you know, um, you know, I'm still fascinated by everything that that I can do on the guitar, and um, and I think I have a, a you know a pretty wide palette of of of. Uh, you know, tastes and things like that. So I'm always delving into, you know, either a flamenco project or a neo-prog thing or uh, with Deadland, a metal thing, you know. So, um, you know, um, you know, it's 
there's always challenges for me, you know, playing the instrument, and I always kind of look at it like, you know, what new can I, you know, express with this thing? So, I mean, that's really the the basic idea. See, that's that's brilliant, and that's what you get from. And I use this analogy a, a lot with this uh, this podcast. And when you look at the back of someone's baseball card, for uh, you know, lack of just a better metaphor or whatever, you, your your resume it's not just rock. It's not just a certain kind of rock. So uh, for you to keep challenging yourself, so what is it like then um, working with with Geezer? Because this may be heavier than some of your other projects. What is it like sure. to be uh, working with such a, a dominant bass force as a guitarist? I mean, it's a- yeah, it's incredible. For me as a guitar player, um, I grew up, you know, I was really raised on those early 70s English rock bands and then kind of uh, some of the early prog stuff. But um, but obviously Zeppelin, you know, Hendrix, Zeppelin, I, I look at Hendrix like, like an English <laughs> guitar player. He made his career there. And, sure. Um, so Zeppelin, uh, Sabbath, uh, cream, all that kind of stuff, and to like get in a room. You know, I remember the you know the first day that we got in, and we, you know, the project started very, very innocently. Really, really, it was like, okay, great, we're all available. Let's get in a room and and see what this thing sounds like. And um, and he's you know he's so beyond just a bass player, but also to when you he's a, a really. You know, he has a signature and very easily identifiable style and sound, which is not that easy for a bass player. Yeah. And to hear my guitar and to play against that sound that that, that that I've known for so many years and loved was just, you know, I mean, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I went, wow, you know, this is... Uh, and, it, and it, you know, I've, I've wanted to be in a... In a you know, one guitar band for a little bit, a little while now, but you really need a guy who who can fill that space on the bass, and um, and it was to find that, and obviously Matt is a force to be reckoned with, you know, as a drummer, and it was, it's the dream, you know, it's it's a dream rhythm section for me as a guitar player. <laughs> yeah, that's a dream uh, rhythm section for uh, us as fans. And, and and speaking of Matt Sorum, is this your second uh, project with him? Because you guys have had a, a long history of, of just being friends and just playing together. Um, no, it's actually the first first project. I mean, I've I've played with him in uh, in a live situation a lot. Okay. Did uh, uh, you know Kings of Chaos? And also, we went down to South America uh, with Rock and Roll All Stars, and that was with uh, Joe Elliott and. Um, and uh, Gene Simmons, and so you know, I've played with Matt over the years. You know, over the you know probably twenty years now. Um, but this is the first recorded uh, project that we've done. Okay, because the reason I asked uh, is because I was always curious, and it was only one album, and I, you weren't, I guess, on the album, but you were still a founding member. That always counts of the Neurotic Outsiders. But I guess your version with you, Billy Idol, uh, Matt Sorum, and Duff McKagan was the Neurotic Boy Outsiders, and then. You two left, and then John Taylor from Duran Duran came in, and and Steve Jones. Right? Is uh, can you uh, uh, maybe give us the history of how that came to be? Um, uh, uh, I I don't know where you got that information. I got to correct you. That's okay. Not. Please, it, uh, I was never the, the, the yeah, internet. <laughs> the internet. Yeah, no, I was never involved in that band. Um, f- briefly, Billy and I. Um, you know, did a couple of uh, we did a, a, a TV appearance with uh, Duff and Matt. Um, 
but they were just always, you know, just like little one-off things, but I was never involved in that project. Okay. See, I appreciate you clarifying because I, I know yeah. Wikipedia is not the end-all, be-all right. of, of information, but, uh, yeah. you know, as just growing up finding music in addition to yours and it just spread out. I like this Neurotic Outsiders uh, side right, record, yeah. and I'm like, wait, Billy Idol was and, and Steve Stevens was on. So obviously, that's not it's not the case. So I appreciate you uh, uh, clearing yeah. that up. Uh, unless I was really drunk and don't even remember it, <laughs> uh, but I don't think so. <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, you have a couple of dates uh, coming up with uh, Deadland Ritual. You have the Louder Than Life Festival in Kentucky, and then the Afterdark Festival in in Sacramento uh, this fall. Uh, after those dates, what's what can we expect for the future for Deadland? We're hoping to you know get in the studio and record the record, uh, you know, sometime uh, before the end of the year. Uh, the songs are written. Um, there's about eleven eleven tunes that are written and. Um, and uh, that's really the plan. We, we've got to get in and record our record. And, you know, we're really looking forward to that. Okay, cool. I got some questions from my listeners for you. Uh, okay. One is, did you, were you contacted at all for the, the new Top Gun? Um, I actually met with a, 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 the, the guy who uh, is the, the composer, Harold Faltermeyer, that I worked with, is, is indeed involved in the film. Uh, the new the new film, uh, and I met with him when I was in uh, Munich, and uh, he said, "Well, you know, we, you know, we should get you in." And and, and I've said, "Well, I'm available." <laughs> so um, so I'm certainly available for it if they if they need my services. Okay, right on. And I'm, I'm going to credit uh, my. I always have to give credit. Uh, that's from uh, Satya on on Facebook, and okay. another one. This is from uh, Connie, all the way from Greece. Now. I guess I never put this together. You were, you know, of course, on Dirty Diana with with Michael Jackson. Then Slash was was also worked with him, and there was also um, yeah, it was it was a trilogy. Well, of course, Eddie Van Halen uh, beat right. it. Yeah. So, what does that mean to you now that you're part of this hard rock Michael Jackson trilogy? What does that mean to you in 2019? It's pretty friggin' cool. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it was it was. Uh you know, experience of a lifetime. And for me, you know, the project started with, with a phone call from Quincy Jones, and I was just such a fan of his his work and, you know, even the, you know, the jazz records that he did. So, um, you know, it was a great experience, and also to do the video and to kind of get in, you know, uh, see that world and stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean... Uh, once-in-a-lifetime experience, you know, and also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in pretty good company with uh, with Eddie and Slash, so um, <laughs> it's a good good club to belong to. Absolutely. Uh, what would you say is your, your proudest mo- moment that you've had with, with Billy Idol? Because, I mean, you are, your tandem is, are one of the most iconic tandems in all of rock and music history. There could be so many to pick from. Maybe not the yeah. most successful, but what's the most you, one that you hold dear to your heart that you're proud of? You know, the fact that, you know, 37 years later, we still work together and tour together and, um, we're, you know, we're friends. And uh, it's unheard of in, in my business, and we've never slagged each other off or, you know, um, we just have a, have a great respect for each other and respect each other's viewpoints. And, and musical contributions, even though sometimes they're different, we we just create space for each other. And um, I think the fact that uh, that it's a very real 
friendship and partnership. Cool. Uh, also, another legendary singer that you've, you've worked with, uh, this is from Ken Begora from New Jersey. He says that Vince Neil exposed album is so underrated. Uh, now that Vince, you know, he's kind of doing his own thing. Uh, <laughs> could you foresee working with, with him again, anything in, in the future? Because I just love collaborations, and uh, especially right. in this, this day and time. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine doing that, but that was certainly a great record to, to do. And, um, you know, it's probably one of the few times when I was asked to play more and, and faster. You know, with Billy Idol, it's the the kind of the name of the game is to play economically, and uh, it's not really about the guitar solos. It's really about you know the, the you know the rhythm guitar and the songs and stuff. And with with Vince, it was hey, you know, if, if a guitar solo was sixteen bars, they wanted it thirty two. You know, so um, it was a great experience, and I, I'm I'm really proud of that record. You're obviously your, your knowledge of how to approach the different styles of music. I mean, there's no denying that. But what about, I guess, emotionally or, or, or personally? Like, just like take your current projects. Do you approach uh, working with Billy now different, any differently than with Deadland Ritual? Is it, or is it just the same, and you just kind of do your thing and, and fit in your place, or do you have to kind of? I don't know. Maybe know your your. I don't want to say know your role and sound like the Rock, but know your place. Uh, in that band, do you, do you have any sort of a different approach towards your your projects? Well, it's almost like being a it's almost like being a film director. Um, you look at the cast of characters. Uh, in the case of Billy Idol, obviously, I know you know him and his life and things that he wants to express and uh, sentiments and things like that, and also simple things like what keys are he most comfortable in and what melody. Uh, would work with him. Um, with Deadland, it's also I look at every everyone's character and everyone's kind of musical uh, pedigree, and and try and imagine as a fan what I would want to hear. You know, if I was a fan and I looked at a piece of paper and I saw Geezer Butler, Frankie Perez, Matt Sorum, what would I imagine? I would want to hear, and I try and get into the headspace of, you know, what I, what it was like when I was 13 years old, and I was waiting for the new Zeppelin record, and you know, um, you know, I try and look at it as much from a fan's perspective as possible. That's really smart. That's really smart, and that is just because goes without ego. And I think that's why you've been so success- so successful. Everyone everyone wants to work with you. Why you've lasted so long with Billy Idol? There seems to be just no ego with you, and you just do your job, and you love doing it. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't take things very personally when you when you're working on music because something that as a guitar player that you you know you love and a part or something that you go man this is the coolest freaking thing but if it's not working to benefit the song or if it's not you know you know working to for the singer or something you, you just can't take things personally it's you know it's only notes and it's you know it's 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 about partnership really is there anything you have yet to accomplish that you still want to? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> like what? Like um, yeah. musically, or do you want to expand to other genres? Oh man, I, you know there are days when I, you know, wake up, have a cup of coffee, and sit with the guitar and go, "Man, I suck." Yeah, oh, I, wow. Know, okay. I, I, mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's the truth. Cause Makes it, me feel better. <laughs> well, yeah, because you know you just always 
there's always, you know, stuff to learn, and there's always, you know, I mean, the, the for me, the ultimate, the, the idea of playing guitar is to get the ideas in your head and get them to translate through your hands, and uh, I think that's what, like, guys like Jimi Hendrix were so great at. Maybe technically there's better guitar players now, but, you know, that guy really created his own world within his music, and that's what I'm always striving for, you know, the 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 thing of people hearing two notes and going, yeah, that's Steve Stevens, that, you know, an identifiable thing, so I'm always, you know, challenging myself and you know, trying to get better. Anybody that you still want to work with that have that you haven't? Um, yeah, I mean, Peter Gabriel is somebody that Ooh. I grew, you know grew up from the early Genesis stuff, and you know, all the way through his whole career. I, th- I think that would be really cool. And there's, you know, obviously, a, you know, a lot of great singers and things. So, um, uh, you know, a- a- anything, you know, especially sometimes things outside of. Uh, my comfort zone, you know, when I worked with, um, say, Terry Bozio and Tony Levin on something that was, I was like, why do they want me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then, and then I, you know, go, okay, <laughs> I get it, they must know what they're thinking, so, um, but stuff like that is always cool to work with, you know, musicians that'll challenge you a bit. Amazing. Steve, I, I can't thank you enough for your, your time. I know you're super busy, uh, and that's just today. I mean, over your career, again, your your resume, uh, back your baseball card speaks for itself. Uh, <laughs> just, I really appreciate your time and taking uh, a little oh, bit to speak pleasure. with me. Yeah, I'm happy to do this. What an amazingly humble guy Steve Stevens is. It's people like him and Slash who admit to you know constantly practicing even though the majority of the populace that we think they're virtuosos, that they have no ego and they just are always striving to get better. And it's just awesome to, to find out that rock stars are just like us. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. All right, so as promised, let's get to some news. First things first, got to give an update on if we're going to uh, going to do a a Leakers Revenge episode part two with our friend Rick Dunford, and it looks like that is unfortunately not going to happen, and it's to no fault of Rick's. It's just one of those things that he, I mean, read into it what you want, and I want to be delicate with what I say, a because I only know so much, so I don't want to say anything that just isn't factual. I don't want to expand upon what little knowledge I have, but I've spoken to Rick a couple times on the phone, and uh, I know what I, I'm i able to say and what he's comfortable with, with me saying. I'm not his official mouthpiece, but I kind of asked, hey, we were going to do this episode. I mentioned it. Can I mention that we're not going to do it now? Uh, he just, unfortunately, he, he can talk about it, at least publicly, uh, if you want to message him. And by the way, for those of you who, because I, I never know, and I hope, all of you uh, not uh, listen to the podcast, but follow us on social media because the conversation does continue, and that's how we know some of these side characters. But Rick Dunsford, if you don't know, is just a regular dude. He's just a Guns N' Roses fan from Mississippi, and we had him on uh, a, an episode I called uh, Leaker's Revenge uh, quite a, a while ago. And, and sidebar, if you can't find that episode now on any of my platforms, I just made it private. I just made it easier given the the subject matter but if you want to hear it just send me a private message and i'll send you a private link but rick 
you may know or don't know, a few weeks ago, he made it quite public on social media that he was going to uh, be in possession of unreleased Guns, Guns N' Roses songs. Uh, he traveled down, I think, to Virginia. I'm not, I forget, but he, he took quite the trip uh, to obtain uh, the, these songs. And I know he's not the only person involved, but he was the most public one. And many of you are upset with him, I will say, and I have noticed that he did go public with these because perhaps we would have had all these songs and uh, the powers that be would not have intervened and uh, not allowed him to share or or talk about. Um, But it's my understanding that he had to have this method of being public about it to make the deal happen to get the songs in the first place. Why that's the case, I don't know. But it's my understanding that Rick knew what he was doing and needed to be public about it in order to just get the songs at all. Now, at the time, uh, there were some, you know, a couple snippets of, of songs that, that had leaked, including a minute of Atlas Shrugged. There were uh, plenty of song titles that came out, and I shared those on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show, or on Twitter at the AFD show. But he was in possession of these songs and and now he just isn't and he can't share it and unfortunately can't talk about it publicly and I, I don't blame him at all. Again, he's just a fan who wants to hear his favorite band's music, which is all of us. Uh, he's a little bit more proactive <laughs> in getting it. Many of fans are out there, uh, are like Rick that are out there. Uh, Rick just seems to be the most friendly one, so to speak. Uh, but I, I wanted to kind of follow up on that because I thought we were going to do another episode talking about his adventure, at least maybe not uh, be able to give the details of the songs and what he heard, but at least talk about his adventure. But as of right now, that is not happening. And it sucks. And it sucks because as I'm recording this and as I'm getting messages on Facebook as we speak, so it's Sunday, uh, August 25th, the song Hard School leaked. It was once known, from my understanding, as Jackie Chan, and we don't know if these song titles what they're are, they, are they placeholders. We all we all should know that on Chinese Democracy, the blues became Street of Dreams, right? Uh, Brain on this very show told us the general was a placeholder. We all thought, oh, the general, what does that mean? It was a placeholder because he just finished eating General So's chicken. Or Sal's chicken, whatever it is. So, which, so it had no meaning. So we really don't know what's real and what's not real uh, as far as the song titles go. Now, Hard School, when it leaked, 100% Axel, 100% a, I, I guess I can't say 100%, but it sounds like it's 2000 era Chinese democracy, uh, unsure of who did the, um, the musicianship behind it. Uh, I will read a message I just got. Uh, on Facebook, this is from Tim Morrison. He writes, uh, that is Josh Freeze on drums 100%, okay? Same drumming tone as Oh My God. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not because I, I don't know more, but uh, a lot of people think Buckethead is a part of it, if not the the whole song, but definitely a part, a lot of Robin Fink suggestions. Uh, but the majority of, of fans are saying what a good tune this is. And it is. It's... If you remember the earlier episodes, I said on Chinese Democracy, well, I like the entire album. Some songs took some 
re-listening to for me to like really grasp and, and enjoy because you know I spent all those years just listening to Appetite and Use Your Illusion, trying to wrap my head around this this mythical Chinese democracy. But but the Heart School is uh, another song of that era that I liked right away. It's an awesome song, and I will kind of paraphrase what. Uh, our friend Russ TCB on my GNR forum uh, often says, I would happily pay Axel money for new music, for this music, for videos that are taken down. So I hope by the time this episode is out, you've either heard it, uh, Hard School, or have an opportunity to hear it because it's a great song. It really is. And it's a testament, again, to the musicians he worked with through the Chinese democracy uh, time. And it just, again, makes you wonder what else is out there. We know more stuff is out there. Rick, at one point, had it in his possession. <laughs> um, but this band, man, uh, they, they make it difficult. Uh, and I, I'll say Rick, he he says it's kind of he, he shouldn't have to work this hard to get new music from his favorite band. And I also, of course, understand the the bands, the, the organization of Guns N' Roses, Axl Rose, not wanting it out now because what if hard school is not finished, right? Like good example. Here's a good example that we can kind of grasp are some tunes from Chinese democracy because Chinese democracy, it's finished. We hear it. So I remember listening to the There Was a Time leak and they had that angelic beginning and end to the song. And when the album came out, I missed that part. I'm like, where is it? I like the leak version better. Or just with the song title, I'm always going to refer to Street of Dreams as the blues, which is what we all thought it was. So I can understand what it's not ready. And as GNR fans, it's like, we've been waiting, you know, but we just don't know what's going on, what gets re-recorded. And the reason behind I like why he does these re-recordings is to get the new member involved when someone leaves, making them a part of the music that they're playing. So I I, I am appreciative of him doing that. Uh, But unless uh, we get Chinese Democracy 2 and 3 or whatever the supposed uh, new Guns N' Roses records are going to be, unless there's uh, another wave of, of leaks that come out, which I have no knowledge of, this is what we're going to get for a while. Uh, but it's positive. Again, knowing how much Axel has worked, what he has done, it wasn't like he was sitting around twiddling his thumbs when he wasn't uh, much in the public eye. He was not only making music, he was making good music. Whatever we hear, we like. Just go online. Look at the uh, the comments. People love it. We just want to be able to listen to it without... Being worried is going to be taken away from us, right? So if anything, it just gives us more to talk about as this podcast continues. (laughs) And speaking of which, I guess this will be uh, part uh, shotgun news and and closing of this uh, episode, uh, episode 142. And that is we are back on iTunes. We are available on Apple Podcasts. I know I got several messages uh, over the past, I don't know, year or so. Uh, I don't even want to get into the fiasco that that is. It, it's just very unfortunate because a lot of people were deprived of, of hearing this podcast that, and that's not for me, 
just with all the wonderful messages that you, you give me, uh, that it helps you through your day. A lot of you have said, and this is crazy, that this podcast kind of keeps your love of Guns N' Roses going because there really isn't any news. There's no really no, no new music. So I do the best I can, especially doing, having something GNR related come out weekly. So it just, I, I think about you. It sucked for the fans. So we are uh, officially back up and running on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And don't forget, you can leave a, uh, a review on there. Give us five stars, and that'll help other people find out about this podcast. And that's just going to lead to bigger and bigger and better and better interviews. All right. So whether it's iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, follow, subscribe, tell a friend. I know many of you find us through AlternativeNation.net. We are on the main page there on the podcast uh, tab. And, and you can just, again, Google Appetite for Distortion Podcast and, and you will find us. Always want feedback. Always want guest suggestions, topic suggestions. You are what makes this podcast go and puts me in position to interview people like Steve Stevens. So thank you. I will tell you this next episode is going to feature Missy Suicide, founder of the Suicide Girls, and hopefully you got to see them open up for Guns N' Roses in 2006. I know I did in Ottawa. It was Suicide Girls, Sebastian Bach, GNR. I met Bumblefoot that show, obviously still very vivid in my mind, and we're going to talk to uh, to her about uh, how that all came together. All right, so stick around. Of course, the best way to follow us on any guest updates or anything GNR news related until I do the next episode, facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show. So until next time, when will you hear the next episode? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.